Thanks, Kylie. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Have you had a good morning so far? Yeah, yeah good. Is that everyone? <laughs> All right. It's probably a pretty redundant question, really, but I'm glad you've had a good morning so far, and thanks for uh, being here to uh, spend time together as God's people to, uh, to enjoy uh, the fantastic time that Christmas is. I hope you have had a great morning celebrating Jesus' birth. That's why we gather. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate together. And it's great that you've joined us. My name's Steve Carlisle. I'm one of the ministers here also, and it's great that you've joined us to celebrate because it is a season for celebrating, isn't it? A season for celebrating. Now, we've got a very, very good reason to celebrate. As Lee has just mentioned in her prayers, as we've already sung together, as Matt mentioned in his introduction just before, as the video at the very beginning of our service told us, we've got a reason to celebrate. The Son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us to represent us and rescue us, to eventually pay for sin on the cross for us. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate with new shoes, Matt, or with whatever you said over there. (laughs) We celebrate with all sorts of good things, don't we? Presents, gifts, good food. And we celebrate with Christmas carols, don't we? It's great, actually, sitting right down the front here, being able to hear your voices as you project over the top of my head all of those wonderful voices all speaking and singing in unison together. It's wonderful. And singing has always been a part of celebrating, hasn't it, at any level. If your team wins a sporting game, you're supposed to get together and sing the team song or you bash on a bin or whatever it is that you do. If you get good results... In exams, you might do it uh, your own little uh, victory dance in your bedroom at home, happy that you've got some good results. Or if you've just had a good day, you might walk around the streets humming a tune to yourself. Because singing songs have always gone hand in hand with celebration. Now, I want to actually get your thoughts this morning. I want you where you are, pull out your phone. Just for this moment, then you can put it away again. But I want you to pull out your phone. And I want you to go to a website that we sometimes use here in our church services, slido.com. It's different today. Slido.com. And the way to get in is a hashtag of HB for Helensburg and SP for Stanwell Park. I want you to vote on something right now, your favourite Christmas carol. And as you vote, the results are going to come up here live on the screen. We're going to see what everyone's voting for. So let's take a minute or two to do that. Slido.com. You can also scan that code at the top, uh, the QR code, and that'll get you there. But uh, let's vote on your favourite Christmas carol. So simply vote and press send. There we go. Someone's in. Hark the Herald Angels sing. Couple of people. That's me. I've got 100% people. <laughs> yes. Start singing, Matt. Start singing. All right, here we go. The results are coming in. Keep them coming. You can make one vote. Here we go. What's your favourite Christmas carol of the ones on the list? Slido.com. Hashtag HBSP. Go, Hark the Herald. Where are you going? Don't go down. Go off. All right. If you don't know how to do it, just ask the person next to you. They might know how to do it. 46 votes so far. Keep them coming in. What's that? It's only 
All right. 30 seconds more. We're going to lock them in in a minute. But I think we've got a pretty clear winner at the moment. Pretty clear winner. All right. Well, let's call it there. Just over 60 votes, 63 still going up. And, uh, well, the winner so far is Joy to the World. Oh, Silent Night's catching up. Someone's trying to rig the votes. I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah, stop the count. Close the polls. It's Trump all over again. That's right. The poll said something different coming in, that's for sure. We'll do an exit poll later. Uh, We'll see how that works. Um, All right, 63 votes, Joy to the World, 29%. Oh, I don't know how that works, because it's still 63 votes. Someone changed their vote <laughs> just to rig the system. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Too much joy at Christmas, people. Stop it. Joy to the world. Ah, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. All right. Andre, you can close this poll now. This is getting out of control. It's great to have a bit of fun at Christmas, but our songs that we sing are important to us, aren't they? Actually, all of these songs are great, and we could choose a whole lot more as well if we wanted to. A lot more songs that we could put uh, in our list, a lot more Christmas carols that we could put in our list. And these Christmas carols that we sing are so well known to us, aren't they? We've, we've sung them year on year on year together uh, as God's people, as a, as a church, as body, the body of Christ Together, But as old as these songs are, and as well-known and as old-fashioned as they are, there is a song of Christmas that is older than any of these carols. A song at Christmas that is potentially even more significant than all of these carols and the truths that they speak. It's the song that we find in Luke chapter 1, sometimes referred to as the Magnificat, A Latin word that just means to magnify, to to get up close and enlarge, if you like. And it's the song sung by Mary. It's sung by Mary before she would give birth to Jesus. And we read in verses 46 and 47 the reason for her singing. She's not just getting around because she's had a good day or because she's got good results in an exam. She's singing along. No, she's singing for a completely different reason. Look at verse 46. And Mary sung, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Did you notice what it says there? Her soul magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God. At the very core of her being, her spirit and her soul, right in the inner parts, she's rejoicing. Or magnifying the Lord. Now that's a strange phrase when you think about it, isn't it? Magnifying the Lord. It's a strange way of speaking. We don't really speak that way today. What does it mean? Well, it means that our awareness might be enlarged. See, God can't get any bigger than what he is. God is all in all. The almighty, the all-powerful God. He can't get any bigger, but our awareness of him in life can be enlarged now today's not a particularly good day for it which is a good thing given the kids are in our our, our congregation this morning 
But if you were, and kids do not do this, but if you were to look up at the sun and you were look up closely at the sun through a telescope, I'm told that if you look really closely, you'd be able to see the flames jumping off the surface of the sun. I don't know if that's true, but I believe it's true. I've never looked that closely at the sun and kids, please don't look at the sun, okay? But you can be appreciative of the details as you get closer in. Maybe you can do it tonight instead with the moon. Hopefully we can see the moon and as you get up closer and see it and it's enlarged in your vision, you can see the craters in the moon. Or perhaps to use a more crude but perhaps more apt example, this afternoon, perhaps around two o'clock, you might be more aware of the fact that your stomach is enlarged. (laughs) And it's still in your body. It's the same as it always was, but it's enlarged in your body and you really start to notice it and feel it and think to yourself, I've eaten too much, this was a big mistake. Why did I eat so much? And your focus is on your belly because your belly is enlarged. And as you focus closer on that thing that is enlarged, it'll become enlarged in your view as well. And this is what Mary is doing. She's magnifying the Lord as she thinks about and sings about the great things that the Lord God has done. And of course, for us at Christmas time, Christmas is a time for us to enlarge our hearts and minds in God's love. This is why we sing carols. This is why we exchange gifts and enjoy good food and spend time together because we know that these things enlarge our hearts and our minds so that our soul can magnify the Lord as Mary herself did. Notice as Mary speaks in verses 46 and 47, this is not saying to us what it must look like, what the emotion is that goes with it or the feeling or the action, but just that from the very core of her being, her soul, her spirit magnifies the Lord in a deep encounter with God. But it's not just vague and vacuous. It's not just, I love God and that's it. She's magnifying the Lord and we'll see in her song for all sorts of great reasons, three in particular. First, she praises the personal God. Look at verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. uh, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Mary sings and magnifies the Lord because she, a regular, everyday, normal Israelite woman, a sinner like you and me, is chosen to be the servant of God. She has been set apart to be the one who will give birth to the saviour of the world on that very first Christmas. Imagine that. That is an incredible privilege, isn't it? Only one person gets that job. And it was her, Mary, as a servant of God, to be used in this way. It's an extreme privilege that no one else in the history of the world will share with her. But she herself knows, of course, that it was nothing that she did to deserve this great privilege. Verse 48 says, she is a woman of humble estate. She knows. There's nothing special about her. She knows she's just a regular, normal, everyday Israelite sinner. She knows she's just a regular person. But God has chosen 
to bestow on her this gift that nobody else will receive. The baby is the saviour, the saviour of the world. And she's thrilled and she can't help but overflow with this song that she sings here. Now, later on in this gospel, about 10 chapters later, somebody comes to Jesus and says to him, blessed is the woman who nursed you. And Jesus says, no, blessed are those who hear my word and keep it. Mary was privileged, but just the same as all of us. She was used personally by God, but just the same as all of us. And yet her being used by God and her privilege that she received causes her to burst out in praise to God. The God of the universe personally gave her the privilege of giving birth to this saviour, the Lord Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? God didn't come into the world as some sort of vacuous power or a vibe sort of descending on the world. Or some sort of spirit form that's kind of just everywhere all at the same time. But God came into the world as a baby. Into a particular family. A particular family that was known by God personally. And this was Mary. Personally known by God and personally blessed by God. And Mary says, the God of the universe knows me personally and has blessed me personally. He's a personal God. And the good news for us is that when God sends Jesus, he sends Jesus to save you personally. To save you personally. I think sometimes we think that when Jesus came into the world, he he came as a baby and then he died on a cross. And and, and then if we want to belong to him, it's like a sign-up sheet at the local school. There's a sign-up sheet for the sport on the wall. And if you want to belong to Jesus, you write up on your, your name on the wall and, and you belong. And then you turn up on the first day and you don't really know the coach. And the coach and you have to work it out. And, and that's what it feels like with Jesus. But that's not what it's like. God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, as a baby and then to die on the cross to save you personally. You are known and loved And blessed by the personal God in Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of Christmas. Mary knew the personal God. And we can know the personal God as well. Secondly, Mary keeps going with her praise. She praises God for his power. Praises God for his power. Mary's not stingy with her magnifying of God. It's not all about her and her circumstances. She's thrilled about what's happening for her, but it's not all about her. She realises that what's about to happen is much bigger than just her life. It has wider implications than that. Oftentimes Mary is portrayed, isn't she, as a bit of a simpleton. She didn't really know what was going on and she was just a bit simple. And But no, she understands. She gets deeply what is going on here. Look at verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. God's strength is why Mary praises him. 
God, with his arm, sweeps away the proud person, sweeps away the arrogant person, sweeps away the self-centred person, the self-reliant, the self-righteous person. And with that same powerful arm, gathers together the humble and feeds them, tends them and loves them and cares for them. And so at the same time, God's powerful arm sweeps away those who are self-reliant and draws those in who know that they have a need. This is why it says at the beginning in verse 50, His mercy is for those who fear Him. Now this doesn't mean that we're scared of God or Mary is scared of God, but that we honour and respect Him for who He is, recognising that He is better, He is grander, His ways are wiser. And when we do this and understand that His ways are better and grander and wiser, then we are lowering ourselves in humility before him, fearing God. But it's not as if humility is just for us. It was something Jesus himself did. He came into this world as a baby in humble circumstances, in weak circumstances, to a town that nobody knew about, in a place that nobody would have looked for the king of the world to parents that were not influential or important in any way, shape or form. It does not befit the circumstances of the coming of the Most High God into the world. He came into this world humbly and he says to us, accept my gift humbly. See, the baby Jesus came to the world to save, to save those who are weak, to save those who are humble, to save those who are sinners, to save those who need help from God. He came to save those who know that without God there is no hope and no eternal life apart from Jesus Christ. And with God's powerful arm, Mary describes it, from generation to generation, in the past and in the future, he will sweep away the arrogant who think they don't need any help and he will bring in those who know they have a need, the need that only Jesus can fulfil. Mary knows what's going on. Mary knows that this baby that is to be born is the the one who will enact the powerful arm of God, sweeping away the arrogant and drawing in those who are humble and delivering to them peace and salvation, or as it says in verse 53, delivering to them good things. Well, finally, Mary magnifies the Lord, the promise-keeping God. Look at verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This baby that would be born, the Lord Jesus, is not just to be any old baby that would be born at any old time. He would be the Messiah, the promised son of God, the anointed king. This is who God would send into the world. Now, Kids, you're on school holidays at the moment. Excited about that? Yeah. Excited about that? Good, good. You know what happens on school holidays? Or at least it did when I was a kid. You'd wake up in the morning and you'd have no particular plan for the day with school holidays. And you'd wake up and you'd think to yourself, what am I going to do today? And the whole day is open for you for all sorts of randomness. Whatever you chose to do, you could do. Go out and have a ride on your bike or go down to the beach or whatever it was you wanted to do. Randomness was in charge. And sometimes we can think to ourselves, God is a bit like that. 
God woke up one morning and he thought to himself, oh, I'm on a bit of a holiday. You know what I might do today? I might save the world today. Right, send a baby. That's what I'm going to do. But God didn't wake up one morning with a random idea to do some random holiday activity. God had a plan, a long plan, a long-term plan, directed, devised and delivered in the person of Jesus. And Mary knows this. Jesus is the promised anointed king. And this means that God does not lie. God does not abandon his promises. God is always true. He always keeps his promises. And though he sometimes appears to be slow in keeping his promises, he always fulfills them at just the right time. And so verse 54 says, This baby will come in remembrance of his mercy, just as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. God kept his promise by sending the Lord Jesus. So you need to know this. You need to know that when God uh, God makes his promises, he always keeps them. And so when God says in Jesus Christ, if you trust Jesus, you can have forgiveness at the cross of Jesus. And that forgiveness is complete and full and forever. You need to know that God always keeps his promises even when we feel guilty. Even when we feel like we don't deserve that salvation and forgiveness any longer. Even when we feel that we've broken God's laws so badly that we couldn't possibly be welcomed back in by him. No, his promises are always to forgive you in Christ when you trust him. Know this. God promises that he will always be present with his people through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what your next year will look like, 2023. I don't know whether it will be a positive year for you spiritually or a dry year for you spiritually. But I know that those two things feel different. Those two things will feel like God is with you, God is not with you. But know this, God's promise is that he is always with you. If you belong to the Lord Jesus, God is always with you by his spirit to the end of the age as he promises to do. God always keeps his promises. Perhaps when we feel dry, what we have done is minimise God rather than magnify God. But God has not left us. God keeps his promise. And know this, that because of the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us, he promises to take us home, to be with him forever. It's not an if, but, or maybe. It's a definite, a guarantee. So when you feel in life that you think you couldn't possibly ever attain heaven, know this, in Jesus Christ, God's promises are always true, always yes. And regardless of what you feel, he promises to take you home if you have faith in him. He always keeps his promises. And so Mary sings this wonderful song about the personal God and the powerful God and the promise-keeping God, that her reflections after having been made pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and being ready to give birth to this baby Jesus. We don't know what the tune was. We don't know what the rhythm was. We don't know whether she sung it as she worked her way around the house that day or down the street or whether she wrote it down or planned it or what it was or whether the song just came to her. 
But here we have it in God's word. A deep song of Mary's magnification of God. From a deep soul level. That she knows what God is doing in the world and it affects her from her core out. And that's why we celebrate. Whether it's the food and the drink or the presents or the carols, whatever your favourite one may be. They can resonate with us. But, but even, excuse me, even if none of those things resonate with you, even if those carols fall a bit flat for you and the food's a bit too much and the presents aren't quite what you were looking for, you can still find in your inner being, in your soul, in your spirit, a reason to magnify the Lord. Because the Lord Jesus has come an expression of God's personal love for you, his powerful love for you. And his promise-keeping love for you. And so this Christmas, whatever your experience might be like, whether it's a great experience or whether it's a bit ho-hum, that doesn't matter. They're the trappings of celebration, the trimmings of celebration. But it's at the very core of our being, like Mary, that we can magnify the Lord because of what he's done for us in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your Son into the world to be the Saviour and Redeemer of us all. We thank you for your willingness to do that. And we thank you for Mary's reflections on understanding this. And we thank you that we can dive into her story, into her mind, into her soul, into her spirit and see what she was thinking, what she was feeling about this scenario. And we ask, please, that we might be people likewise who magnify you because of what you've done. And not in some mere emotional way, not in just a feeling, but based on seeing you as the personal God, as the powerful God, as the promise-keeping God, that all of these things come together in the gift that you give to us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask, please, that whatever our day might look like today, that you would help us to magnify you and at a deep spirit and soul level to be changed and shaped by what you have done for us in the person of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We're going to uh, hear an item now, a great song. A